0: Good morning. Our gospel reading this morning is from Matthew. Listen for the word of the Lord. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became bright as light. Suddenly, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will set up three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, the beloved, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Jesus has been doing a lot of talking in the Gospel of Matthew, teaching, preaching, telling stories, parables, proverbs, quoting from the Scriptures. He tends to do this in Matthew slightly more than in the other Gospels. Uh, Matthew likes to portray Jesus as a rabbi, a teacher, someone who moves people, teaches them, delights them, moves them with with words. Alternatively, in Luke, for example, uh, Jesus also teaches and preaches, but in Luke, he's more of a 15-minute preacher. Matthew, more of a 45-minute preacher. So Matthew takes discipleship seriously. We have a lot to learn. Take out your pen and pad, sit up straight at your desk, all eyes up front, let the lesson begin. But after several semesters of teaching a heavy load, Jesus is resting his voice today. He's in a quieter, more reflective, pensive mood. He takes Peter and James and James's brother John up on a high mountain, hike, no lessons, no parables, no small talk on the way up the mountain. Scholars generally agree that this was Mount Hermon, Nine thousand feet high. Take Mount Mitchell and add another couple foul and change. Uh, up here the air is thinner. It's a liminal place where time and, and space bend and twist. When we reach the mountaintop, there in the quiet, Jesus face begins shining like the sun. And his clothes become a dazzling white. And what's more, Moses and Elijah. Moses representing the law, Elijah representing the prophets, all the law and the prophets show up, come back from the dead and are standing with Jesus and talking with him. But we don't get to hear what any of them are saying. Can't make out the words. We lean in, we cup our ears, but they might as well be whispering. Peter, of course, tries to break the tension and uh, the silence with words, but as soon as he does, Matthew reports that a bright cloud descends all around them, and from that cloud, a voice bellows from the smoky mist. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. The disciples fall to the ground, shaking with fear. All is quiet again, but now the God of glory has thundered. It's interesting to me that we hear the very same thing at Jesus' baptism. The heavens open up. God's Spirit, like a dove, descends. The voice from heaven says the same thing. This is my beloved Son, whom I take great delight. We hear the same message from heaven today, but for this unique addition. Listen to him. Or as the King James has it, hear ye him. (laughs) Okay, I thought it was funny, but... Either way... The grammar is in the imperative, which roughly translated means, you better listen to him. As William Barber says about his mother when he was growing up, there was a difference between her saying, uh, William, come here, and William, you better come here. Big difference. Listen to him. Really? You better listen. The voice from heaven also aligns with the ways both Moses and Elijah pointed to the one to come. Moses says in Deuteronomy, the Lord your God will raise up a prophet like me from among you. Him shall you heed. And Elijah, who we see recast in the New Testament as John the Baptist, tells his congregation by the Jordan River, now I baptize you with water for repentance, but one is coming after me who will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. I'm not worthy to even pick up his shoes. So on earth we hear Israel's lawgiver and Israel's greatest prophet say, listen to him. And the fulfillment of God's promises is finally here. His face is shining like the sun. His name is Jesus. And from the heavens, we hear this directive, listen. Why add this now? Why did the voice from heaven not say, listen to him at Jesus' baptism? I believe we get this odd addition now because what Jesus has been saying, what Jesus is about to say, it's hard to believe, hard to hear. Jesus had already been having some communication challenges to this point. John the Baptist, of all people, needed a bracing review of all Jesus had done. You remember he sent his disciples to Jesus to say, are you the one or are we supposed to wait for another? Because I'm not seeing what I thought I was supposed to see. And Jesus said, what did you expect? Someone fancy? fancy? but the blind see and the lame walk and the dead are raised. The religious leaders had also been resisting his preaching and doubting his miracles and complaining about the company Jesus is keeping. He tells the religious leaders after his most recent supper club dinner, y'all go and learn what this means. I desire mercy more than sacrifice. And just before Jesus led the disciples up on the mountain where we stand with him today, he had to upbraid Peter, his straight-A student of all people. Get behind me, Satan. It wasn't as clear at Jesus' baptism as it is now, but now there's no doubt. People are having a hard time hearing Jesus. He's scrambling all of our assumptions about God and religion, And faithfulness, we needed this divine directive, didn't we? Listen to him. We have a lot of competition when it comes to communicating our ideas, hearing the word of the Lord. How important is it that we listen to the right voices? This is very hard to do in our country where so many voices compete. For attention every day through our screams, our conversations. Sometimes our own inner voices can be misleading. We can be our own worst enemies, can we not? Psalm 2 begins Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. Let us cast their cords from us. We're not responsible for them. And burst their bonds asunder. We'll take advantage of of them. You can just see the people kind of scheming, talking, coming up with plans to take advantage of one another. Then God's voice breaks through from the heavens and terrifies these schemers with his fury. He says, no, 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 I've set my king, my voice, my representative on my holy hill. Listen to him. But I always chuckle when I get, this is one of my favorite psalms of all time, Psalm 2. I always chuckle when I get to the end of it because you get another one of these little directives. You better listen. Now, we see it right here. It's in your order of worship. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. O rulers, be warned. Serve him with fear. Trembling, kiss his feet, or he's going to get mad. Listen to him. This is the voice I want you to hear. What is it exactly that we had better listen to Jesus saying? What is it that we're so resistant to hearing just before and just after, like bookends to this event of transfiguration, just before and just after Jesus' face shines like the sun and his clothes become dazzling white and we hear the voice from the heavens we hear Jesus say some version of this. I'm going to be betrayed in the human hands. The powers and the principalities are going to grab me and take me. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. And on the third day, I'm going to rise again. Before and after the transfiguration, Jesus says discipleship is costly. He says the road is narrow. He says, take up your cross. He says, follow me. The transfiguration signs a light on the only one who says this. Listen to him. And all the, the disciples, not immediately, but they finally do, and they all get strung up in one way or the other. Peter, by Nero, is crucified upside down, reportedly at his own request because he didn't deserve to be crucified right side up like Jesus. But they took the narrow path, the take up your cross, the follow me. They did it. But at first, they didn't want to hear this. And by the name of William Stringfellow, theologian, Christian author, popular back in the 1960s and the 1970s, a real American prophet, you may have heard his name before, William Stringfellow. Uh, He was a a social critic as well of the powers and the principalities of empire. Uh, And he was a critic of the church as well, though he loved the church. He was a critic of the church for taking the easy path, for taking the comfortable path, When Karl Barth came to the United States on his famous visit, there was a panel of theologians invited to come and uh, have a conversation with him and William Stringfellow was one of those. And he began to question Barth and ask him about questions about the church taking the easy way. Does the church realize it's been called to costly discipleship? And uh, they went back and forth and at the end, Paul Bart pointed to everyone and then pointed to William Stringfellow and said, listen to this man. Hmm. Hard to hear. Take up your cross, follow me. I'm going to die. I've got to to go through this suffering. But resurrection is on the other side. But first, it's going to be hard. Is this even a word for our children? I, I believe it is. One time, uh, I was standing after worship. Aaron and I lived in Durham. Uh, went to a church there that, that we loved, a little Baptist church, neighborhood church. Uh, after the service, service, was standing there, I was talking to one of my friends named John. Uh, John uh, raising a, his son, and we were we were talking about what we read our kids for bedtime stories at night. And the pastor walks by, and he he joins our conversation, and he, he's talking about Good Night Moon and uh, Dr. Seuss. And what, John, what do you read to your your son at night? And he said, Martyr's Mirror. Lord have mercy! I looked at John and said, man, you read your kid's stories about Christians being persecuted and tortured and drowned in a river at, at night? And he said, yeah, you- we're Christians. Said, okay, well, that's not Good Night Moon. I'm going to have to change my... Of course, it's not so far from what my parents said to me. My mom and dad would sit at my bedside and say, Now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I heard that every night. Man, no wonder I'm preaching like this now. Lord, what is Matt going to say now? Well, you may remember me telling you about my friend Marcia before. Marcia was just a regular Methodist, a good Methodist church every Sunday, Bible study every Sunday, uh, always at church doing good things, first to sign up for mission stuff and uh, always being selected on the you know the powerful uh, committees and things like that. Marsha, just a good Methodist churchgoer. Well, one Bible study, she and her group were trying to decide on how they could reach out to, to people uh, to, to help make some difference in the gun violence problem that they were seeing in their community. Uh, and Marsha recommended that they actually go and meet some of the, the families who were going through this and, and living through uh, this this hell on earth and uh, and somebody piped up and said, yeah but but that's not safe that we could get hurt if we go there. And Marcia said, but there's children there. How could we not go? There's children there. And so she went by herself and met a family that was... Suffering, found out that they were laying their youngest daughter in the bathtub at night to protect her from stray bullets, and from there began a beautiful ministry of walking alongside people who are suffering and being crucified. Listen to this woman. There's no other way to resurrection. But I'm telling you the truth, there is a way. And listen, his name is Jesus. And before we come down off this mountain today, remember what he does to the terrified disciple. He reaches down. He touches them with tenderness, and he says, do not be afraid.